The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning, New Song Church. How's everybody doing? Good. Good to see you this morning. Man, there's so much cool stuff happening at New Song right now. I hope that uh, you plan on participating in that with us. Like Sarah said, if the Tea Room Bloom thing is going to be amazing. Uh, Gail, who's coming to speak at that, is not like a mom who has kids like right now, like little kids. She has grown kids, and I know her kids, and her kids love God. And you know, I don't know about you, but as a parent, I always look to the people who, are, who have kind of gone where I want to go. Like those are the kind of people I want to learn from. And she's a great example of that. So uh, moms, I want to encourage you to go to that. Dads, we're going to watch the kids. We're going to do whatever we need to do to empower our wives to be able to go. And I also want to say this. If you're a single mom here today, uh, you get to go for free, okay? So just come back and let us know. We want to pay for all the single moms to go. Uh, We will cover your ticket price because we don't want you to miss out on this. So make sure that you plan on attending that, all right? Hey, if you have your Bible, turn me to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, and today we are continuing our, our series called Character Sketches. Uh, we've been talking about the, these characters from the Bible for the last five weeks and, and looking at the character of some of the characters from Scripture so that we can learn how to, how to be who it is God's called us to be. And so we, we've talked about Joseph, we've talked about Solomon, we've talked about Eutychus, we've talked about David. Last week we talked about Moses, and we've been looking at certain characteristics of these people's lives Things that either qualified them or disqualified them so that we can learn and grow and become who it is God's called us to be today. Now, if you notice by the list of names, so far it's kind of been a boys club, right? Well, today that changes. Today we are going to talk about one of the great uh, ladies of the Bible. And I can promise you this today, the story and this, this message and this person that we're going to look at today, uh, this is one of the most encouraging stories in the Bible, the, the thread of redemption that goes through this story is unbelievable. And, and I believe that as we look at this story, what it can tell us is no matter where you started, God can do something in your life. And I want you to start there today. I, I don't know your story, but I can tell you this. No matter where you are right now, God can use you. God can do amazing things in you. So let's dive into this this morning. We're going to go to Joshua 2 in a minute. But first I want to start by looking at Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have... What's, what's kind of affectionately called the heroes of faith or the faith hall of fame. And this is kind of like the dream team of faith here. You know, I remember in 1992, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics happened and they had the first ever NBA dream team. NBA players came and played in the Olympics and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and David Robinson and all these guys went over and just beat the tar out of the rest of, of the world playing basketball and it was awesome. Anybody remember the 1992 dream team? So good, it's considered to be one of the greatest teams ever assembled. And when you look at Hebrews 11 and you start looking at these names, it kind of is like that. It's like the Michael Jordans and the Larry Birds and these great, amazing people. We start looking at Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and then Joseph and then Moses. And then we get to today's character. And this is where it kind of takes a, a turn when you look at it. Now, this, it's not a big turn just because this, is, this person is a female, But because today's character is a harlot named Rahab, and she ends up in the Faith Hall of Fame. So her story, I'll kind of give you the big picture, kind of where this goes. Her story starts off pretty bad, right? 
she's a harlot, but it ends up with her being in, in the faith hall of fame, the hall of faith. Uh, and also beyond that, she actually ends up being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Meaning she's the great, 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 so many times over, great grandmother of Jesus. So how do we, how do we get from harlot to that? Like how does that happen? That's, that's a big swing, right? I mean, how do we get from someone who starts off a harlot and she ends up having her blood flowing in the veins of the Messiah? I think this is worth looking at today, right? Okay, so Joshua chapter two, starting in verse one, says this. Now Joshua... The son of Nun, there's a really lame joke there, I'm going to leave alone, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. Now stop right here. Let me kind of catch you up on what's going on, okay? So uh, the people of Israel have been in the wilderness for 40 years, and they're in the wilderness because 40 years earlier, Moses sent 12 spies into the land to look at the land, and 10 of them came back basically in fear and saying that the promise of God was not true. And so because of that, because they rejected the promise, uh, that generation of people had to wander in the wilderness until they were gone. And so now that generation is gone and they're getting ready to go back in. God's kind of given them the go-ahead to go into the land. And so Joshua decides instead of sending in 12, he's going to send in two. And he sends these guys in not to see if they can you know, conquer the land, he's basically sending them in to just kind of take a look at things and see what's going on, So, because they know they're going to take the land, okay? So it goes on to say, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went, and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Okay, so we're looking at Rahab this morning. I want you to notice something. As she's introduced here, she's introduced as Rahab the harlot. She's identified by the sin that she commits as, as a harlot. Now, I'm not trying to be crude or rude or gross or anything like that this morning. But I know sometimes we read scripture and we can kind of pass over words or kind of not quite grasp exactly what's going on here. But I just need to remind you this morning that a harlot is a harlot, right? Like that's, that's a prostitute. It's a person who sells their body and sells sexual favors to other people for their occupation, we're getting real this morning, right? <laughs> and this is what she does. Now, beyond that, let me first of all say, and this is not the, like the pretty, women, pretty woman scenario, Julia Roberts, Richard Gere story. Like, this is not pretty. This is ugly. This is nasty. This is dirty. The culture that she's, she's in, in Jericho, is the Canaanite culture. And part of their worship practices involved sex and involved all sorts of gross uh, versions of sex, homosexuality, incest, bestiality, um, orgies. I mean, in, incest, I mean, it was very, very messed up. And, and this is the culture that she's a part of. Um, in fact, a lot of Bible historians believe that one of the reasons God called for them as they went into this land, he called for them to wipe out these people was because there was so much sexual disease and so much perversion among these people that if he allowed them to live, that that could drift into the culture of the Israelite people and it could, it could do a lot of damage to them. And so I say all that, I'm not trying to be gross, but here's, here's the thing. Rahab is a harlot in that culture, a disease-filled culture. If anybody's got the disease, it's the prostitute, right? And this is where she, she starts 
And I don't, again, I don't say that to gross you out. I say that because here's what we see in the beginning. We see that she's in a mess. And yet God ends up doing something amazing with her. And wherever you are today, whatever kind of mess you may have found yourself in, whatever kind of past sins you may have participated in, what I'm here to tell you is God has redeeming power to do amazing things in your life. So let's look at a couple things. One, I want to look at, as we start off here, I want to look at two things that Rahab kind of brought to the table as we, as we jump into this, this morning. The first thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. Rahab brought sin. Rahab brought sin. So much sin, in fact, that her name all throughout Scripture is synonymous with her sin. She's always called Rahab the harlot. Now, aren't you glad that your name is not synonymous with the sins that you've you know, participated in and done, right? Like, hey, there's, there's Lenny the liar over there. What's up, Lenny the liar? How you doing? Or there's, you know, there's Perry, Perry. Yeah, you know Perry the pervert? He's here. Well, I'm going to go now, right? Like, wouldn't that be awful? Thank God that we don't have to live like that. But, th- but this is what we see in, in the life of Rahab. In fact, there's five times that she's mentioned throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And every time she's mentioned, not far behind her name is the word harlot. She's always called. She al- this moniker follows her throughout the entirety of her life. But I think it's for a reason. You know, I've learned something about the Bible. There's not just stuff thrown in there. It's very intentional. And here's what I believe. I believe God was trying to show us something in this person's life. If she can come out of that and end up where she did, there's hope for all of us, right? There's hope for everyone in this room. We can move past the messes that that we have in our life. And here's what I want you to see this morning as we jump in this. What do you need to bring to the table in order to be used by God? Here it is. If you're taking notes, here's what you got to bring to the table in order to be used by God. Here it is. You. You. Not, not a clean version of you, not a perfect version of you. You come as you are. You come with your mess, you come with your insecurities, you come with your sin, you come to God as you are. He receives you as you are. All God, all God asks of us is that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. If you're willing to call on God for, for salvation, he's willing to give it to you, no matter what your past may look like. Okay, so we, we start off with this story. We've got Rahab, we've kind of established her, and, and the spies come to stay with her. Well, the king hears about this, the king of Jericho. He's a bad guy. He hears about this, and so he goes to, to Rahab's place, and, and she hides the spies. She puts them up on the roof of her, of her place, and she hides them. And the king comes in, and she's like, they're, they're not here anymore. They were here, but they left, and they went that away. And so she kind of sends the king on this wild goose chase, chasing them away in, in, in the wrong direction while she's hiding them. And then it picks up in verse 8. It says this. Now, before they lay down, talking about the Hebrew spies here, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, now watch what she says here, this is amazing. I know, these are the first words that come out of her mouth. I know, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now has God given them the land yet? No, but, but I want you to see what she's doing. She's talking faith, right? She's bringing faith right here. Now, faith, here's, so you know, faith doesn't work in the future, Faith works in the already been done. Faith isn't even in the now. Faith is in that it's already done. It's, it's taken care of. It's established. It's not going to happen. It's happened. That's how faith works. Faith believes that those things are already done. And that's what she brings to the table. I know that the Lord has given you the land 
Look at this, that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard, everybody say heard. Because faith comes by hearing, but also the opposite of faith comes by hearing, which is fear. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. So she heard about that great miracle that God did when they walked through the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. And what, what you did to the two kings, the Amorites were on the other side of the Jordan of Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Now look at this, look what she says next. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. What does Rahab bring to the table? Two things. She brings a bunch of sin, a lot of mess. She also brought faith. Rahab brought faith. Rahab stands up and she says, I have heard and I believe. Now something that we need to understand in our walk with God is that we either walk in one of two ways. We either walk in faith or trust in God or we have faith in ourselves, we trust in ourselves. We have faith and believe that, that God is gonna take care of us, that God's gonna watch over us, that what he says he's gonna do, he's gonna do, or we try to build and fortify our lives in our own securities and try to build up walls for ourselves. That's what, the, that's what these Jericho people did. They had built this, this wall around themselves, this man-made fortification to try to protect themselves. But notice what it says. It says that the terror of you has fallen on us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. See, they had built their own security, but they didn't have security. They'd built their own you know, protection, and yet they didn't feel protected. And the same is true for me and you. We, we can try to build up our own kind of fortification in our life and try to protect ourselves. And, but those things that we try to build our life on, those things that we try to surround ourselves in, our jobs, our, our talents, our, our plans, they never really bring true peace. Real peace only comes from knowing God, from having a relationship with him, from, from him being our fortification in our life. Rahab had faith. Hebrews 11 says this, about Rahab, it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Verse 31, by faith, by what? By what? By faith, the, here it is, harlot Rahab did not perish with those who, with those who, look at this, did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. She had faith. And this is true for me and you in our, in our lives if we're going to, we're, every great character in scripture that you read about or that you study or every character in scripture either is disqualified or is qualified by their faith. Every one of them. We either see that they, that they did great things because of their faith or that they didn't quite do what they were supposed to or maybe they even stumbled in areas because in those areas they lacked the faith that they needed. It's not about works, it's about faith. You, you say, well, Josh, wait a minute, though. She hid the spies. Isn't that what, what helped her and saved her? Well, she hid the spies, yes, but why did she hide the spies? Because she had faith. See, the works followed the faith. It doesn't go the other way. You can't, you can't do works and get faith. 
you, you get the faith and the faith will produce the works in your life. Jesus talked about this in John 6, 28. Jesus said to his disciples, they came to him, they asked this question. They said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? In other words, they're saying, Jesus, how do we do the works that you're doing? How do we, how do, we do this stuff? How do we work this out like, like, you're, like we're seeing? Look what Jesus says. Jesus answered them and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe. That you believe, that's faith, that you believe in him whom he sent. When you believe in God, when you believe in Jesus, when you believe that what God says, who God says he is, he is. When you believe that what God says he will do, he will do and has done for you, that's walking in faith. And that produces in your life the kind of works that you need in your life. If you look at yourself today and there's areas of your life that you're like, I just don't feel like I'm producing the kind of works in my life, the kind of fruit in my life that I need in that area, then you probably need a little bit more faith in that area. You need to, to, need to go to the word and find that faith. And the Bible is clear that when God finds faith, he accounts it to us as righteousness. That your past works don't determine who you are, don't determine the righteousness that you walk in. Jesus' past work at the cross you finding faith in that is what produces the kind of righteousness in you. God accounts the, the righteousness of Jesus to you when you put your faith in what Jesus did. That's good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he, God, made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin, that we, that's, that's you and me, that's we're the we, might become the righteousness of God in him. My encouragement to you today is this. We don't have to do the works. We, we just have to have faith in God. We, we, we don't have to do the works to get the faith. If we will get the faith, the works will follow. Right? And how do we get faith? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We get into God's word. We find promises. We find scriptures. We begin to speak those over our life. We listen to what the word of God has to say. We let it fill our ears. And when it, as it fills our ears, it fills our hearts. It fills our minds. It fills us up with the faith that we need. So Rahab brought sin, but she also brought faith. She heard and she believed. And that's what we all have to do. That's where we all start as we come to God. Now look at what it says next. Verse Verse 12 of Joshua 2, this is Rahab talking here. She says, now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house. And look at what she says here. And give me a token, a true token, remember that. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. So Rahab is, is seeking here. She's asking for, for favor in, in the face of impossible circumstances. Now remember, she said earlier, she said herself, she knew about some of the things that, that the Israelites had done as they were marching towards them. She knew about the parting of the Red Sea. She knew about the battles that they had already won. And that her whole country knew. Now there's a good chance if they knew those things that they also knew what the people of Israel were going to do as they entered into the land. See, God had given them a mandate as they entered into the land to clean it out. Let me refresh you on this. Deuteronomy 7, verse 2 says this, when the Lord your God delivers them, that's talking about these people in the land, the promised land, the, the bad people in this land, when God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughter for your sons. 
couple chapters over in Deuteronomy 20, it says again this way. But the cities of these people which the Lord God gives you as an inheritance, you shall not let, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. So God has called them as they go into the promised land to clean it out, to kill everything that they come in contact with. Now you may be sitting here right now and going, man, God seems ruthless. This seems kind of cold and mean, but may I remind you of what kind of culture we're dealing with here. I mean, we've already talked a little bit about the sexual sin that was running rampant within this culture of the Canaanite people. But beyond that, these people also were idol worshipers and they practiced child sacrifice. The people in this land, the Canaanite people, had this God named Moloch that they would worship. And he was this giant brass God uh, with a big belly and he had the head of a bull and his arms were out like this and in his belly was a fire. And they would, they would practice, part of their worship practices was what was called passing your children through the fire. And so a mother would take her firstborn baby and she would bring it to this idol and she would place it in the hands of this idol. And then she would begin to worship the idol. And at some point during the ceremony, she would then take the baby and place it into the fire and burn her baby alive. Now you can imagine the screams that were going on during this as a baby was burned to death. And during that, while, while her baby was burning to death, she would dance in front of this idol. And if she showed any sign of remorse, the baby that was burning was not accepted as a true sacrifice. This is the kind of people that were in this land. This is the kind of people that God had called them to destroy. God didn't want any of this kind of culture bleeding into the culture of the Hebrew people. What's sad is that hundreds of years later, it actually did. But this is where, this is where Rahab is at. And so... Rahab had probably heard that God wants them to wipe, God wants the Israelite people to wipe these people out. And yet, in the face of that, she still comes to them and says, I'm asking for favor. And what she asks for is grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It's favor that that we don't deserve. It's favor that we didn't earn. It's favor that we never could earn. And she asked for that in the face of this. Now, I was thinking about this this week. Remember, Rahab is a harlot. We don't have any record of this in scripture anywhere. But you know, she's grown up in this culture. There's, there's a good chance she may have participated in some of this kind of idol worship. Dark stuff, right? And yet she's still able to come into the situation and ask for grace. And here's what she's asking for. She's saying, listen, I'm, I'm letting you in. And if I let you in, will you show me favor? Will you show me mercy? Will you give me redemption? Now it's a picture of the gospel. (laughs) Me and you don't deserve grace. And yet Jesus says that we can invite him in. And when we invite him in, he'll give us favor. And he'll give us grace. And he'll show us mercy. And he'll save us. Isn't that amazing? A picture of the cross right there in the story of Rahab. Against all odds, she's seeking favor. And maybe you're here this morning. And you, you know what you've done. You know some of the stuff that you've messed around with, some of your past sins, some of the darkness that you've participated in. Maybe you're ashamed of it. And maybe you find yourself going, man, I'm so disqualified. Well, I have good news for you this morning. If you feel disqualified, you got it all wrong. (laughs) You really do. Because see, what you think is that 
by thinking that you're disqualified, what you're saying is that your works disqualified you from grace. But your works don't disqualify you from grace any more than your works earn you grace. It's not by that. It's by grace. It's by the, the favor of God. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2, 9. It's not by works so that no man can boast. Your, your works don't do it for you. What does it for you is the grace of God. You don't have to measure up. That's why the, the gospel is, is good news. You don't have to measure up. All you have to do is be willing to go to God and ask for his salvation. Rahab the harlot is asking for salvation. Does she deserve it? Absolutely not. But look at what she got. Verse 14. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. In other words, they said this, it's a deal, we'll do it. If, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Rahab comes, to, comes to, into the story. She's got a bunch of sin, but she brings faith and she asks for favor and she receives it. And what she receives is, is, what, is a picture of what every one of us receives. Four things that Rahab receives here. Number one, Rahab got a promise. You know, promises are important in life, right? Promises are what we are able to put our hope in. And the Bible says that, that if you don't have hope, that your heart gets sick. We all need promises. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God has a promise for every one of you in here. In fact, the Bible, it has over 30,000 promises listed in it. There's a promise for every situation, everything that you're facing, no matter what it is, there's a promise there for you. In fact, there's probably multiple promises for you. And all you gotta do is get into the word and you can have those promises. You just go and seek it out. Seek the promises of God. Study it. And when you find them, you just ask for them. Just ask for those promises and you can have them. Rahab got a promise. Here's the second thing that she got. Look at verse 17. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. That's talking about the promise. Verse 18, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. There's this scarlet cord that they're talking about here. And they say, we want you to bind this to your window. Now this is a picture of the cross and a picture of the blood of Jesus. This is a picture of that in the Old Testament. It says in verse 21, then she said, watch what she says, according to your words, so be it. That's faith right there. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in her window. What's the second thing? First thing she got was a promise. The second thing she got was a pledge. Now earlier in verse 12, she said, give me a true token. And this scarlet cord that she receives is this token. It's this pledge. It's this, it's this promise. It's something that she can hold in her hand that, that is a tangible thing that she can hold on to, that she can look to, that declares that the promise of God is hers. That she is going to be exempt from all of the bad stuff that's getting ready to come on all the people around her. That she has been freed from that. That, that she ties that scarlet cord to that window and it, 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 it gives her freedom. 
In the same way, when me and you ask Jesus to come and to live inside of our heart, the blood of Jesus that he shed for us at the cross, he ties a scarlet cord in the window of our heart and it declares that me and you are free from from the destruction of sin, from the penalty of sin and death and all that comes with it. We have been freed from that, from the wrath of sin. Romans 5 verse 9 says this, and since we have been made right in God's sight by, look at this, why are we made right in God's sight? By the blood of Christ. The scarlet blood of Jesus that was shed for me and you makes us right before God. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Rahab's scarlet cord was a symbol that she had to the approaching armies that she was exempt from the judgment. And we have the same pledge in Jesus Christ. Now, I think this is amazing because if you look at how this points to the gospel once again, here's what God did. God takes this scarlet pledge, and he puts it into the wall, right? And this wall is a barrier in between him and, and, and where he wants his people to go. See, he wants his people, the Israelite people, to get into this promised land that he has for them, this amazing place he has for them. So what does he do? He puts that scarlet pledge in the very barrier that separated his people from the promise. Years later, he did the same thing through Jesus, He saw his people and we were not able to step into the promise that he had for us of eternal life and eternal salvation. So what did he do? He took another scarlet pledge in in, in his son, Jesus Christ, and he put him in the barrier, the barrier of sin and death. He put him in that very place and now because of him, we can walk into the promises of God and the salvation that Jesus has for us. Can I get an amen today? That is good news, guys. Because of Jesus, we can have freedom. We can walk in the promises of God. We can step into the land that God has for us and, and, and experience all that God wants for us. But we have it through the blood of Jesus, through that, that sacrifice that he made for us. That's our pledge. That's our, our tangible promise that we can hold on to. No matter what's going on in this world, we have the promise in Jesus Christ. Now jump over to Joshua chapter 6. God gives the Israelites a plan. They're gonna go into the land and they're going to do this thing of marching around you know, the walls of Jericho. Anybody remember Children's Church? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, right? And, and maybe you did Children's Church like you walked around the boxes and you got to knock them all down. It was awesome. Well, this is, this is what's going down here. They, they've been walking around. God tells them, I want you to walk around one time for six days. And then on the seventh day, you're gonna walk around seven times. So verse 15 we're going to pick up. They've already done the six days. This is the seventh day. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Faith. Now that city shall be doomed by the Lord's destruction. It and all who live in it, but look at this. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. Here's the third thing that Rahab got. Rahab got a pardon. She got a pardon. When judgment came, she was exempt from judgment. Verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. The walls came tumbling down, right? It happened. What's amazing here, as I was studying this this week and this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I gotta tell you this, okay? We talked about Moloch earlier, 
that God, they used to take the ashes of those babies that had been burned up and they would put them into jars and they would put them in the walls of Jericho. See, the walls of Jericho were not just a fortification that they believed in. It was also, it was also a, uh, it, it was a, like a, a monument. There you go. Thank you, honey. A monument to this God that, that, was, that they worshipped. They worshipped these walls. They worshipped this place they lived in. So what does God do? Because <laughs> you kind of think, he could have just punched a hole in the wall. No, he didn't do that. He took it down. He took that wall completely down. He knocked down that demonic memorial to those demons. Then the people went into the city, verse uh, 20. Every man straight before him, and they took the city, verse 21, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. Now picture this. All of the walls come tumbling down, except for one little area. In fact, I I was reading this week, and these German archaeologists years ago, they discovered what are the ruins of of these walls of Jericho. And as they were looking at that, they found them completely dismantled, completely crushed all to the ground, except there was one eight-foot section with an attached house to it. Now, we don't know for sure, but that may have been Rahab's house. Is that not amazing? See, here's what I want you to see. She wasn't just saved by the Israelites. God honored the covenant. God saved her. God protected her. Why? Because she had the scarlet cord. She had that symbol that said, hey, this world may be falling apart all around you. Everything may be crushing beside you. You may be surrounded by messed up demonic people. But in the middle of that, you have a scarlet cord that says that you are exempt and protected and God will see you through. And we have the same thing in the blood of Jesus. Though the world may be falling apart all around us, we know that God is with us and is watching over us and will keep us. And that when when judgment day comes, we are exempt from judgment and we will stand before Jesus in heaven forever. Amen? Rahab got a promise. Rahab got a pledge. Rahab got a pardon. And number four, Rahab got a posterity. Posterity, posterity. I need another P word, right? Posterity means that she had a legacy. She had a lineage. The next time we read about Rahab is in Matthew chapter one in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter one, Matthew starts off by giving us the lineage of Jesus. He talks about the the grandfathers and some of the grandmothers of Jesus. Now he lists 42 grandfathers, but he only lists four grandmothers of Jesus. So the question is, why only four? And and why the four that he picked? Well, I think Matthew was making a statement to us that that God had him make to us. See, Matthew didn't come from the best best upbringing, the best house. He was a tax collector before he, he found Jesus. And if you know anything about tax collectors, they were not good people back in Bible times. I think Matthew wanted us to see that, that, that Jesus didn't come from a perfect line, that there was some black sheep in the family of Jesus that, that God was able to use and, and people that came from bad situations that ended up being used by God. Let me show you these. The, the four grandmothers of Jesus, the first grandmother listed is Tamar. 
Matthew 1 verse 3 says, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now you can read this story for yourself. In fact, I would encourage you to read it. Genesis 38 this week. Uh, But Tamar, this is one of the ugliest, weirdest, grossest stories in scripture. Now you're really interested in reading it, right? But God used this woman, Tamar. She's in the line of Jesus. The second one listed is Rahab, Matthew 1, verse 5. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Listen, Rahab got married into the house of Israel, into the tribe of Judah, which was the tribe of praise. And God used her. We already know her story. She was a harlot in a messed up culture. And God used her. Number, the third one, grandmother listed, is Ruth. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Ruth was of the wrong people group. She was not a Jewish woman. And that was kind of her the picture that we see in her. And the fourth one, grandmother listed is, look at this, Matthew 1, verse 6. David, the king, begot Solomon, King Solomon. We know him. This is David, the, you know, Goliath, David and Goliath. By her who had been the wife of Uriah. Now, it doesn't list her name, but the wife of Uriah was Bathsheba. This is the, the girl that was taking a bath on top of her house. And when kings were supposed to be off fighting a war, David was out messing around. He saw her, begin to lust after her, had her brought to him. He had sex with her. She got pregnant. He had her husband Uriah killed. I mean, it was a, it's a messed up story. And you know what? In this story, Bathsheba didn't ask for this. It just happened to her. Now, why did Matthew, Matthew list these four grandmothers of Jesus? Here's why. Here's what he wants you to see. He wanted you to know through Tamar's story that God will forgive the darkest sin. He wanted you to know through Rahab's story that God will use you regardless of your past. He wanted you to know through Ruth's story that God will not leave anyone out. And he wanted you to know through Bathsheba that God can heal any situation. My friends, the God I serve is a God of redemption. And I hope you know him. I wanna invite the band to come up at this point. I hope you see the beauty in this story today. Yes, it's ugly. Yes, it's dark. But it ends up really amazing. Rahab was a harlot. She came from far from perfect situation. But she had faith in God. And God turned her life around. He brought her into the family of God. She became a part of the house of praise. And God not only changed her, he gave her a lineage. He gave her a legacy that lasted beyond her time here on the earth. And here's the take home I hope you see this morning. Whatever you brought to the table, which I can tell you what it is, every one of us, we all brought sin. Varying levels, I I get it, but we all brought sin to the table. We bring that to God. We mix in our faith with God, that we believe in God. We ask him for favor we ask him for grace and he gives us salvation and that salvation doesn't just affect our life it affects generations to come after us this is the story of Rahab and Rahab's story I hope you see today that Rahab's story is our story every one of us have have lived a life of Rahab we've been in sin we've messed up We've, we've done stuff we shouldn't have done. We've been covered by sin. We've been among people who were covered in sin. We've all tried to kind of fortify our lives and build our own kind of protection around ourselves and create our own fortification systems. But at the end of the day, we were all worthy of death and destruction and hell. 
But God came on a mercy mission and made a way so that we could have salvation. And all we have to do is take him at his word and believe him and invite him in and he will give us salvation. He'll give us the freedom that we need. He'll become the Lord of our lives and change everything. And when we do, the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus becomes a scarlet cord of forgiveness that stays inside of our heart that we can look to that says that the world may fall apart all around us, but God is going to remember us and he's gonna snatch us out of destruction and he's gonna spare us and he's gonna usher us into his kingdom where we will eternally dwell with him forever. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I don't know where you're at today, but if there is anything that's standing between you and the promises of God, I wanna tell you today, Today's the day salvation has come. The mercy mission has been run. Jesus came. He made a way. 2,000 years ago, he came and he died on a cross so that you could be saved. He gave his life. He shed his blood, his scarlet blood. They drove nails through his hands and his feet and he hung on a cross and he suffered and he died. And he was buried in the ground. But he didn't stay there. He rose from the dead. God pledged his son to get us out of the, of the grip of sin and death, to pull us out of it. And all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord to be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it may be. It doesn't matter. If God can save Rahab, he can save you. So if you're here today, maybe you're here today, a couple of things. Maybe you've Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never turned your your life over to him and said, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. No longer my way. I believe in you. I believe that you died for me and I surrender myself to you and I call upon the name of the Lord. If you've never done that today, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and and you've just gotten away from God and you know that you need to get your life right. You you know that you need to get some of this stuff out. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you know that you need to, to, to get out and you need to confess it and you need to make make a way so that Jesus can, you can walk in the freedom that Jesus has for you. If that's you today for either of those things, here's what I want you to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to just, just raise up your hand where I can see it. I'm the only one looking around right now. I see hands going up. Just, if that's you, just put your hand up. You can put it right back down. All right, that's great. I see hands. I see hands. That's awesome. I see hands going up all over the room. That's awesome. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We all believe with them today, right? So here's what I want us all to do. We're gonna pray together. We're all gonna pray this prayer. And we believe as we pray this prayer, we're offering our sins to God. We're laying those before him. We're taking up a new life in him. We're allowing that blood of Jesus that he shed for us to wash away all the mess of our life and to help us to walk in the freedom that he has for us today. So if if you would, I want everyone in here to, to pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, Say it like you mean it. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you gave your life so that I could have life. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. Jesus, I say that you are Lord of my life, of my yesterdays, 
of my todays, of my tomorrows. I give you everything. I will walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's clap. I'm gonna invite the altar ministry team to come up at this time. If you're here today and and you need prayer for anything, maybe you have a prayer need in your life, maybe you wanna talk to somebody about you know, things that are going on. Maybe you've got some struggles going on in your life. Maybe you're, you're dealing with some kind of a tough situation. We would love to pray with you. At New Song Church, we pray for each other. We love to join our faith with other people. The Bible is very clear that there's power and unification in prayer. So if that's you today, you have a need of prayer, I want you to come forward and pray with one of these guys. Or maybe today you, you made Jesus the Lord of your life. I saw a lot of hands go up today. If that's you, I want you to come forward and take the next step. Here's the next step. God said this, he said, if you, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. So you just take the next step and you say, Lord, I'm going to confess you before men. I'm going to go up these and just let them know. All you're going to do is you're just going to come up and say, I made Jesus the Lord of my life today. And we're just going to celebrate with you today and pray for you and put some things in your hand. You know what, new song, when you ask Jesus in your heart, it's your spiritual birthday. You're born again, the Bible says. So we have a gift for you. We have a little bag full of stuff that we want to put in your hands. So make sure you take that next step, come forward and pray. And for the rest of you, if you would stand up, we're going to go back into a, a time of worship here for just a moment. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm sure God has spoken to a lot of you today. And as we go into this time of worship, let's just take a moment and seal this in praise. Seal this in worship. Let's thank God that he came and that he, he went into the barrier for us and made a way so that we could find freedom. Let's celebrate that today. And those of you who need prayer, come on down. You can come forward at any time. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for all you've done for us. We give you all our praise. We give you all our glory. I thank you that everyone who needs prayer would have the boldness and the faith to step forward and receive what they need today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.